Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and of course, tales of parenting woe. Because let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Hello, you're listening to Parenting Hell with... Can you say Rob Beckett? (laughs) Close, can you say Josh Whittacombe? Okay. Weirdly, you can say Ramesh Ranganathan perfectly. <laughs> there you go. That's um, Joel Domit from Southwest. Yeah, that was him and his uh, his son. We've got to get yeah. him back, haven't we? Yeah. Even his voice is sexy. Joel. Yeah. Obviously, Joel. That would be weird. <laughs> <if that's- laughs> <laughs> oh, that baby voice was something else. Oh, God. Um, yeah, no, we've got to get him back on. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for that, Joel. Right, let's do some correspondence. Let's do some correspondence. Right, here we go. Hi, Josh, Rob, Michael. Love the podcast. Only thing that kept me sane and made me forget my stressful pregnancy for a little bit of time, which I'm very grateful. Heart emoji. I have a boomer story for you. Well, I say boomer, but I suppose it could be neglect. Okay. I'm from Tembe, but now live in New Zealand. And when I was 10 years old, we went on a family holiday to Newquay, Cornwall. One day, my brother, 12 years old, wanted to go to play mini golf, but I wanted to go to Nuki Zoo. Now, most parents would divide and conquer, but oh, no, not my parents. Instead, they decided to go with my brother with the mini golf, but instead of making me go with them, they drove me to the zoo, dropped me off with some cash and let me go in on my own. How old was he? 10 years old. This was Kirsty. Oh, my God. How old is she now? To be good to... Well, she's moved to New Zealand, which tells you a lot. Some would say there's a favourite child in the family. Here we go. Anyway, I had a great day, and now I'm super independent, so it probably did me good, more good than bad. Keep wow. what you're doing, guys. Um, it's good to know that we're all in the same boat. Because if I was a parent, right, yeah. I'm going, not just the divide and conquer, but the zoo is better than the mini golf. Also, I've done mini golf. Unless you're really bad, you can do that in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> How many fucking holes is it? <laughs> or like, or maybe it's cheaper though for an adult not to go to the zoo, just for a child. Oh, yeah, that's right, quite, yeah. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. How good? I mean, I, I don't want to. A smirch Nuki Zoo, but how good is Nuki Zoo? Yeah, I, I doubt it's so good that you could really put a, like a hundred pound premium on it. I, I remember my brother and I got dropped when we were on holiday in South Wales. Mm-hmm. My parents wanted to do something, but this I'd have been 13 and my brother would have been 16. And we went to the Crystal Maze experience and my parents were like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And then that's got, okay. We got lost in the Crystal Maze. Oh, no. Oh, God. And then, like, we could hear people shouting our names, like the staff, because we hadn't turned up at the next room. Okay, how old were you? I would have been about 12, 13, and my brother would have been three. He's three and a half years older than me. So right, yeah. About 16. But no, that's fun. I think if you could drop two teenagers off somewhere. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
but not a 10-year-old on their own at the fucking zoo. It's dangerous, the zoo. I mean, what are you doing as a 10-year-old at the zoo? Are you getting your own lunch? Do you th- can a 10-year-old do stuff? Because obviously I haven't really spent much time with a 10-year-old recently. <laughs> not, no, what not since the uh, year older. <laughs> in 200 yards, I'm not allowed within 200 yeah, yards of a 10 in the industrial estates, but just loads of blokes <laughs> turned up with Facebook Live cameras on. <laughs> Go bowling, mate. <laughs> What's up with bowling? Could a ten-year-old buy their own lunch? Well, it depends. Well, it depends what they're buying. If they're buying a pack of cigarettes, no. But <laughs> yeah, I think if I saw a ten-year-old in a zoo, like buying food, wandering, I'd probably report that. I'd go. I yeah. think there's a ten-year-old on their own walking yeah. around the zoo. Yeah. I don't think that's so. They're okay. not buying fucking lunch as well. Let's be honest. You are absolutely off your head on e-numbers by the end of that journey. There's a tenner just to spend on sweets. Um, all right, I've got another boomer here. Hi, Rob and Josh. My dad was an alpha boomer and didn't mess around with safety belts when go. driving to the shops. So seat belts. He used to call them safety belts. Oh. On one occasion, he turned too quickly on a bend and eight-year-old me slid across the back seat and knocked the door open, falling <gasps> out of the car. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I landed luckily on the curbside, remarkably unhurt, if not a bit dazed. I vividly remember my dad turning <laughs> around yeah. in his seat and looking at me on the curb, then laughing and driving 50 metres down the road to turn around. Oh, my God. When he finally ca- came back, he said, what are you doing down there, stinker? His lovable nickname for oh, me. Before word. getting me into the car and making me promise not to tell mum. He's put mam, M-A-M there, because he's from... From, oh yeah, yeah. He bought a whole six pack of gold bar biscuits for us to eat, which oh, he ate that. five. Folks, <laughs> <laughs> a monster. Thanks for the laughs and being six and relatable, Danny from Durham. Fucking really. I don't think you could do that if you were filming like a, a movie and you were like, yeah. so the stunt is the child, the, or you, even with an adult, they've got to slide across, hit the door, go out and land on the curb. I think that's a tough stunt to pull off. Yeah, because it's like you've got to do a lot there. You've got to go so fast around the corner, you slide all the way. I'm assuming leather yeah. seats. Yeah. Um, no armrest down to stop no. you. Yeah. And then you've got the door. You hit the door open. It must and it's be an also, old car. In hitting the door, you've got to not lose momentum enough because you'd think you'd hit the door open. And bounce back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, because well, that's what we've got these. The thing is, though, we're gonna our kids are going to tell stories about what we did. When I took my kids to the shops in a cart thing that we bought to go into music festivals and for picnics, and I tried to pull them up the curb and they both fell out and banged their heads. Yeah, I've told you about that. But that, and that yeah. was so I'm like, hey, you, you could write that bad. And then they dragged me in a cart down the shops. Anyway, <laughs> so we, we've got opened up the Am I a Modern Boomer uh, section, haven't we? So we've yeah, got yeah. one here trying to find oh, yeah. out. So. We want your opinion on this, Josh. Hi, Rob and Josh. Am I a modern boomer? If I am, let me tell you sometimes it works. In the mornings, while I'm trying to get everyone in the car, I would send my son who's six to the car and he wouldn't get in the car and get strapped in. He would mess about so much while I was locking the house, getting his sister strapped in, putting the bags in the car. He has still not strapped himself in. He never did it, which he can do. I lived down a very long, quiet road, so he wasn't strapped in. So I drove about 30 seconds down the road and slammed my brakes on for a seatbelt check, as I like to call it. He flew forward into the seat. I must stress he was absolutely fine, but it was a bit of a shock. And now he gets in the car and puts his belt on straight away. Oh, my so God, you are a boomer. And he knows the importance of wearing a seatbelt. A victory for boomers, I say. Now, this is key. Anonymous. Because you know that's fucking wrong. <laughs> Let me break this down. You are busy with another child. That six-year-old not asked you to have another child. No. So have another child shouldn't take your attention away from the six-year-old. I think it is annoying keep asking them to do things, 
But when you're in the car and you know the seatbelt's not on, it is still the parent's responsibility yeah. to go put the seatbelt on. Yeah. I don't think giving them a sort of traumatic memory is a way to go around <laughs> reminding them. No. <laughs> Do you I'd, know what I mean? I, I'd say. But it works. Yeah, According okay. Right, well, that's, not, you know, you can't <laughs> go like, my kid leaves the toilet, bit, the toilet seat up. Um, well, and once I bog washed them for 30 <laughs> seconds, just enough. <laughs> now they don't. Am I a boom? <laughs> can I ask for a, uh, I know we don't do that. Can I ask for tips on something yeah, from people? Not from not from anonymous because it will be strangle my daughter with her leggings. <laughs> but it's it's a trial to get my my daughter clothes wise some clothes that they'll be fine that day. The next day mm. they they're making she doesn't like the feel of them on her legs. Yeah, she's got we've we've narrowed it down to only the clothes she wants. So, but every day there's a drama about her leggings or her. T-shirt or her socks. cardigan or socks. Socks right. is a big one. Annoyingly, we bought her days of the week socks, which she likes. If anything, that's added an extra thing we didn't need as a problem. Because uh, now you're trying that, to find Tuesdays. Now we're trying to find Tuesdays. Yeah. What are the best tactics if your child? Because it's not about what the clothes are. Do you know what I mean? It's not buy bigger leggings or what. Mm. It's there's something else going on. What's the best tactic? Well, Anonymous has just emailed in and said, burn all her clothes on a bonfire and scream in their face, children are starving in Africa. <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter's like that, but she's sort of grown out of it slightly. Or yeah. I just give her the socks and go, put them on, and you put them on so they don't yeah, annoy so you. She's been doing, we've been doing that. Like, she, we now got to the point where it's like, you get yourself dressed in your bedroom and now you come down because then you've got as long as you yes. want to choose. But it's still happening. Mm, right. Well, I, I can't help with you. If anyone out there knows, let yeah. us know. Thank you. So basically, how do you get your child to stop whinging? But what's the upshot? She's not it's getting not dressed and she's delayed? It, it takes 45 minutes for her to get dressed. Right. And you don't want to rush her and get in her head, but yeah. And she's like, I don't like to be rushed. And you're like, yeah, but... This is too long. This is too long. Have you taken her clothes shopping herself and she gets yeah, to pick Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the clothes that are fine in the shop are then not fine the right. next morning. Oh, God, this is difficult, isn't it? I'd, yeah. I'd say you are just staring down the barrel of what it's like to have a child and this will never change. <laughs> and this is the problem with it. Yeah, because if okay. those little things were solvable, this podcast wouldn't exist. <laughs> okay. so just it's, think- it, it all doesn't make sense at all. My kid, I was driving the kids to school the other day, and one of them went, um, to, the day before yesterday, when I was at so-and-so's house, and the other one, it worked, that wasn't the day before yesterday, that was Wednesday, and then the other one, well, it was Thursday. And I, know, it was, and, I, and I just went, shut up, shut up, shut up. It doesn't matter what day. It has no bearing on the story. So just both agree that you, neither of you agree on the day and tell me the story. And they went, okay. And it turned out the whole story was about it being bin day. So it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there, but she still went, on Wednesday, instead of a sister, I w-, and it started again. Oh. I never heard what it was about. Fucking <laughs> hell, what our lives. Right, um, time for a guest, Josh. Yeah. Now, Laura Smith, brilliant comedian. If you don't know her, you soon will. She's, I'd say, a very authentic comedic voice, super funny, working class girl from East London, and she's got an amazing story, and she's got three kids, a 21-year-old and younger ones, five-year-old and eight-year-old. So she's really funny and also a really interesting story about how she got into comedy, having the kids with such a big age gap, and also she um, had some serious health problems uh, recently that she's luckily in recovery from. But, uh, yeah, she's an amazing, amazing person, and it was a great chat, wasn't it, Josh? Yes. Enjoy. 
Laura, welcome to the podcast. We started straight in there. I know, but um, it's like, it's not even like, cool parenting now. It's like, it's a support group right now. Yeah, we normally do an intro, but we just didn't bother. It was like, <laughs> we just started it was mid slagging off uh, the school run. Oh God, I'm jealous of that tea. Um, right, Laura, <laughs> tell us about your, tell us about your setup at home. My setup? How many kids you got? Three. Ages. Three. Well, I've got three, and I'm I'm doing it both ends. I'm, I've got a 21 year old at home. Yep. Yep. And then I've got the big gap, and the eight and the five year old is where I'm at. Oh wow! Right. Okay. Right. That's so. That is you are covering all bases there. Oh mate. Is the 21 year old helpful? She kind of helpful for the right price. <laughs> you know, I never thought that they. I, you know, everyone goes, oh well. You know, like like for instance, Saturday night we were invited to this Burns night. And then we and we're getting the kids ready. I'm ironing a tartan dress. We're all ready to go. And my friend who's hosting messages and says, "Oh, someone's just had to pull out because for some reason they thought kids were coming." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and so then we were like quickly like bribing the younger ones. And then uh, the eldest, I was like, I put it on her. Really, I was like, well, look, "Well, we've made the dessert. We're, we're ready to go." Yeah. <laughs> and and I sort of I offered her thirty quid to babysit, but she gave me this look that was like. I could name my price right now, couldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> was, she, was she indoors anyway that night? Was she already she was standing? Fine, she's doing dry January, so it's like because she is a little. She does like a night out. She does, so she's 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 home. She's been helpful this January actually. And saving well, that's money. Good. And do they get do they get on then? So is it more because it's such a big gap? Because I've got my dad. So that, my dad, I've got two half brothers um, who are a lot older. So I don't know why you're, what your gap's for. But ours, my dad was married before. We I got love two half you're being careful. Yeah, different dads, babes. It's alright. Different dads. Yeah, no, but you know that's up to you if you want to say it or not. I'm telling you my story. I just found out I'm from a blended family. I thought it used to be called a broken home back in the day, but that's blended. We're all fucking nutribulleted. Me and my brothers. So they were almost like more like uncle than brothers as such like, but we didn't live with them because I was much older but um, yeah. yeah so is it more like an auntie relationship no, or cousin you know sister or and they never yeah. feel more like siblings than when they argue and you yeah. know really the two like I was at the two eldest so my eldest was my oldest my only child for a long time and then she was sort of 12 13 obviously when the second one comes so they, it felt like having a, a, a first child twice sort of yeah. thing but then when the third one come along, all of a sudden it felt like the you know, the middle child really become the middle child, the eldest really became the eldest, and the little so in that in a weird way, the three of them have made it the kind of traditional dynamic. No, there's not an auntie thing really. Like they yeah. oh, if they go in her room, she's screaming at um, you know, the little my little girl idolizes her, wants, you know, the hair like her. Do you know? So it's all I'm I'm actually quite surprised by it actually, that they are and it is it's when they're arguing in the back of the car, they that's when they most feel like siblings. And I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and does your eldest go like are you a bit softer on the younger ones than you were oh, with the eldest? And listen, she's like, Whoa, I never had that, you know. I, I and yeah, and it's and I know someone else, my mate's got six kids and she's, and, and her eldest looks the way she treats the youngest. And I mean, yeah, my eldest cannot actually cope the things that they get away with. <laughs> I don't know, you make, the thing is, it's always a payoff, isn't it? You know, every, all the stakes are high with your eldest anyway, but especially I was a young single mum and I think I felt very like, you know, the stakes are high. If you ain't got a lot of money, the stakes are high. If yes. you see what I mean, like if you've gone, you've asked for that, Five pounds, you know, yeah. and, and, and I think there's stress related to it and you're trying to do it. And 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was a bit tough on her, tougher on her. But equally, she had a lot more of my time. The little ones don't have my time at all. Yeah. You know I mean, so yeah, she she's quite harsh on them. But I think they need it. Yeah, a little bit of reality check kind yeah. of thing. Also, because like, your your career's uh, mate, you're, you know, I think you're one of the best newer comics on the circuit, and you're just going to go off and be household name. You're amazing. So thanks for thanks for doing this. We're getting you in now, just before you, you get to you, you fuck us off. <laughs> uh, you had a child 21 years ago. You've only been doing comedy a little while. You're already sort of smashing it and been on telly and stuff like that. Yeah. So talk us through from like what were you doing when you had your your 21 year old, and then you and how you managed to then sort of start this new career yeah. having all these kids and stuff like we'll talk, we'll talk us through that sort of path well i think you know everything changes when you have kids and it all your priorities shift wherever you are in life so when i was young i didn't really know what i was doing and you know i sort of i, I dropped out of uni and i was sort of working and i met my oldest dad and it was all just a bit messy really and I didn't really have much ambition, but when I had her, all of a sudden, I knew I wanted more for her, do you know what I mean? So mm. I, I ended up bumping into my old A-level English teacher and she was sort of saying, what are you up to? I was like, oh, I'm just a single mum, just this. And you know, it was sort of very typical sort of East London going through the sort of, I'd split up with her dad and I was in temporary accommodation. Do you know what I mean? It was it was tough. How old were you at that point, Laura, if that mum be asking? 20, so I was 20 when I had her. 20, yeah. Just 20 when I, I was sort of 19 when I met, was with her dad and then, you know, it all went to put. So then I was sort of in temporary accommodation in, in, in sort of on the, on the council waiting list. It was like pretty bleak really, but she, you know, she was a real sort of motivating factor and you know, you know what it's like when you're young, I don't know, you know, when you're like, when I was young and it's sort of your mum and dad and all that, it was like, you know, what do your parents do? And I was like, well, bit of this, bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's asking? I was like, napping. Who's asking? Yeah. <laughs> so I think I had the ambition to become a teacher. You know, I loved English and loved that, and and lost my sort of confidence and went back and did an English degree. And she was at the, she, I was at University of East London, and she was at the nursery on the campus with like lecturers' kids and things like that. Oh, wow. It was nice. And she was, and she, so we just sort of made it work, me and Rosie. I always, my mate, Natalie, my best mate, Natalie, she goes, oh, we grew up with our eldest because she had her eldest. I, I was, I grew up with Rosie. Yeah. So yeah, so my eldest. So then, yeah, had her and then became a teacher, uh, like did my degree. Um, what was that like at uni? Like, because obviously other people are presumably at uni and they're like, no, the whole thing, if you describe uni to me, is like no cares. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like freedom. And so were you, was it really weird for you in that sense? Like you must have been taking it really seriously because you're like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to fucking do it. Do you know what well, I mean? Yeah. And I needed to take it seriously because like I said, when I first went to uni, I was just, got, I just got on it for a year. I didn't really know. <laughs> And it's funny, I mean, a lot of people go to pieces at uni the first time they go, you either handle it, but I thought I was confident. I'm from a big family, I thought I was confident. But you, you, I, And also, I don't think you realise you're working class till you go to uni. You don't really think about it because everyone's no. in the same boat. And you go to uni and you're like, I, I couldn't understand people that were called Tequin and were Welsh, but they didn't have a Welsh accent. I didn't understand yeah. how <laughs> people could be. You know? I didn't yeah. get it. And I just didn't know who I was. I just didn't know who I was out of the context of my my ends. You know, like, yeah, yeah. 
It's quite a small world you're from, really, isn't it? You feel really confident and big, but actually you're only going a few miles and everyone you're related to or you know. And <laughs> I found that when I went to down to Canterbury, I was like, oh, so you do that and your mum and dad go there and, oh, that's an option or that's a thing. And yeah. also like, oh, you go skiing, but you just, you talk fairly normally. You're not like one of the princes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah your, your world is blown open, isn't it? Yeah. And when you're young, I mean, when, you know, I've taken a long time to get to this, to get to this sort of, anyway, we'll get get to it when when it's comedy, but I I don't think I could have handled doing comedy in my late teens, early 20s, because actually comedy is really egalitarian. If you're funny, you're funny. I don't care where you're from, if you're Cambridge Footlights, you know, all the people I love. Then you're not funny. (laughs) 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 Boom. No, but... I feel like class doesn't come into it when you find someone funny. I can mug no. off all the posh comedians, but if they're funny, they're my favourite person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And But it's like um, I write on Bad Education and I'm in there with Jack Whitehall and Freddie Cyborn. And yeah. I think, look at them, you know, and I'm, I've earned my seat at that table. I'm contributing as much. I'm right. You know, and you think that's a nice feeling. That don't make me think, oh, they got, like, oh, they had it easier than me. I just no. think, Whatever we've done in life or whatever we've had yeah. in life, we're at the same table now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, do, yeah. I do think like education and university and stuff, not even for the academic degree. I think if you're from a working class background, it opens your eyes to the world yeah. and you understand the different pressures you have, but also the different pressures people from public school have because there's expectations. So I mean, if you work in class, you don't really have expectations. So a freedom comes with that. However, yeah. there's no safety net to support that freedom. Yeah, you know, and that and 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 when you if you're there for a few years, you can sort of understand it, and you, your confidence comes up because if you go and do gigs when you're 18, you could be funny, and you might have funny bones and be really funny, but the rest of it, like going into meetings or the the industry, which is heavily middle class and privately yeah. educated, you you're completely lost and at sea. And I went to uni and then did a, an events job in London. And so that when I started comedy when I was 23, I'd seen a bit of the world and seen a lot of posh events and stuff in London where you get free booze. If I'd at 18, I'd had the opportunities I had at 23, I would have fucked it and been an alcoholic. Because I'd be like, this wine's free. Let's (laughs) fucking go, you know what I mean? So I made all those mistakes from 18 to 23. And then when I found comedy, and I think maybe your English degree helped you with that and, and, you know, but that must have been pressure, having to get your baby up and ready and go into a creche and then go and study. And it's, only, it's like anything in life. It's only when you look back and go, how the hell did I do that? It's like when your kids are a bit older, you go, how did we handle it when they were three and five and yeah, how did our marriage yeah. survive? But yeah, so in answer to a long roundabout way, because I found it all too overwhelming the first time, Josh, I kind of, by the time I kind of was like 22, 23 doing my degree, it really did mean something. And, you know, you know, I still had mates and they all looked out for my oldest as well. You know, sometimes they're like, are you coming for lunch? Yeah, should, or should we go for a drink? Yeah, so would other, would other students, like, be up for, you know, carrying the baby around? Because if, if I'd had a... Like, when I was 19 and at uni... I'd have fucking shot myself if someone had handed me a baby. Oh, you should have been four or five by the time. <laughs> oh, four or five. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Four yeah. or five by the time. And, and, and she's just, she just always rolled. I think I just sort of thought, like, yeah. I, I almost shirked mother and toddler groups. So I was be like, oh, well, don't worry about her. She's still my hip, you know? Like, yeah. And she yeah, just yeah. rolled. And she's like that now, and she just rolls. So she's, so she's kind of cool. But yeah, so then I did. So then. And when, she's kind of done an English degree at the age of four <laughs> yeah, by just yeah. being there. <laughs> 
she thinks she has. Yeah. She's like, she's so well read because that's all like sort of, I think that education reading and all that. And she was just like. Well, she's been hanging out of all those lecturers' kids, isn't it? <laughs> her, network, her network's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. But this is, she is bold. I mean, she is a little bit like Ra, where's my backy? She's bold as brass. She doesn't have any kind of, there's no imposter syndrome with her. She's like, and I just yeah. said to him, you know, and I'm like, who are you? What did I create? But. <laughs> Then, so then, yes, teaching then, so that was sort of um, 2010, 2011, so she's getting on for like 9 to 10 now. And then I, then I met my husband, so that was all nice. So it felt very box-ticky. We, you know, I'm teaching, then he became a teacher, and, you know, we're married and the kids, and it mm. was just like this tick, tick, tick of what I wanted. I felt very like, like, very like, oh, look at me. I go to John Lewis. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah. But it was it was very like okay, cool. And I just knew it was very stressful. And I and I'd always wanted to do comedy. I used to go. Um, I don't know if you remember going. Um, Stratford Theatre Royal used to have Monday nights. New yeah. interview. I don't know if you ever done that. That was yeah, the was first place I died. First place <laughs> I died. I'm yeah. sorry, that was probably us in the audience. We lived there from sort of, you know, 17, 18 to sort of mid-20. We lived there because I loved it. I Would loved you have been there in 2008? Let's do the maths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, quite oh, late. No. Oh, no. Uh, when was well, I that was a tough gig it was almost like it was so local to East London so you'd have all the East Londoners there also as well a lot of the black community so it was half an it was urban Caribbean gig Caribbean food they always serve Caribbean yeah. food no one gave a shit about the comedy you had to no. just, we were brutal yeah. So like I'd go on a lot of the, sort of the the black circuit acts. It would rip it because there were sort of differences between Jamaicans and Ghanaians. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. well, I can see what's working. Here. I don't and know you if were I'm, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm doing my material. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but my mate Natalie, this, we were just talking. We we're so pissed, just talking. And he went, and he went. This a comedian just in the end, he just went, "Why are you here?" And she just turned around. She went, "Why are you here?" <laughs> <laughs> withering takedown but I now I'm doing it I just think and I think I think that's probably one of the main things that stopped me ever doing comedy because I was thinking I could never stand in front of them like that was my only experience I mean I went to jobblers yeah. and things like that I can tell you now I didn't have the guts <laughs> to ever go back you know there's comedians that go um when I die somewhere I've got to go back I'm like no <laughs> I'm never going I've back. lost it's over. I'm not doing Never Mind the Buzzcocks again. I fucked it up. That's it. I, I'm not doing Stratford Theatre Royal or Harper Adams Uni. It's over. It's done for me. Well, they are, but those, I think, I know what you're saying with those audiences where, like, you know how bad you were as an audience member. So the thought of you getting up went, I don't have to perform in front of me, pissed. Yeah. I'm awful. Yeah. I remember being up the creek. Like, I, I was, I got so pissed watching up the creek and stayed for the nightclub after. I was yeah. sick in the fucking urinal trough. Yeah, right. in, and then oh. went back to the dance and uh, to sit oh. there to watch a headliner. I'm like, I'm just, I'm on my ass. It's disgusting. Yeah, we used to do that. At, um, the, yeah, backyard as well. Like we yeah. were there. We'd go. That was our nights. That's all. I just loved it. I've always loved it and never felt. But I always write routines in my head. I just love. I was so obsessed. And then I only admitted to my husband that I wanted to do it. And for a <laughs> wedding gift, he bought me a day's writing course with Logan Murray. Oh, lovely. Oh, that's nice. And I just loved it. And I just, I, and I, you know, I was the teacher and then three kids and, oh, no, I had two kids by then. And, and Logan said something like, oh, I've never had a real job. Yeah, never done really a day's work. And that was what was like, oh, and there was other comedians there. Some yeah. were just like, oh, I just did this as a top-up Edinburgh. And I just felt like I was with my, it was that first taste that, oh, I'm with my people here. I felt it. And, yeah. And I was funny. I got laughs. And I, then it was only after my third child then, and I was going back, maternity leave and I just thought anyone that's had that proper full-time career 
you know, in the public sector or any sector, but you go, I know once I go back, I won't come up for air. So if I don't yeah. do it, I'll never do it. And I just was like, I booked the call. I booked a full, I booked a, you know, the six week course, whatever it is. I put it on a credit card page, you know, because you're on maternity leave. And I just went every Sunday. So that's 2019. Oh, and wow. Then, yeah, so hell. So 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 and then so you've done all this and there was like a two year pandemic where you couldn't gig. I know. But, yeah. <laughs> okay, I, mean, Laura. But I mean the joke is, I mean, I literally I mean, because it was the trajectory was amazing because yeah. the end of December, um, April, we, I started in March, end of April we did the showcase and it was the twenty eighth of April and someone filmed it and Funny Women Awards, their closing date was 30th of April. So I submitted and I ended up winning it five months mm-hmm. later, I won the Funny Women Awards. And then I got signed and the, and I got signed with Carly Peters and Maureen Vincent, like French and Saunders agent. And I, yeah. the year before was when I was watching French and Saunders, 300 years of French and Saunders. And that was the, one of the big things I thought, I'm living the wrong life. That's what I should have been doing. Amazing. Sure enough, Maureen Vincent was at Funny Women Awards and was taking care of me when I started as well. So it was like our life can change. And then it was all go, go, go. And then the pandemic. And then as soon as the pandemic was over and I was back at work, I just had to hand in my notice. Then I didn't. So September 2021 now, two years later, I was still able to quit work. Didn't go back to work. And then I then found a bre- lump in my breast, I had breast cancer. So I was like, oh, my God. Oh no. So it was mad. And then yes. I just kept going because I thought, I'm not going to fucking die. I'm going to keep going. Amazing. And 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 how how are you now, health wise and stuff well, like I'm that? Well, you know, you never you, anyone that knows anyone that's been through it, you're sort of waiting for that five year mark. But I'm con- yeah. I was considered in remission after the surgery and everything else, like the chemo, radio, everything was sort of adjuvant to sort of protect me. And I'm on like hormone blockers, so I'm like in the menopause. Burr. But <laughs> it's just fine. How's that? <laughs> it's, it's, well, ask my husband how it is. Justin Warhouse—he's <laughs> got the best joke about it. He goes, "We've got the menopause in our house. She's on three patches. She don't know about the third <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good joke. <laughs> Just patting you on the back as you leave. Bye, yeah, yeah, that's you. exactly what he does. It's a perfect <laughs> joke, and I howled because when I talk about the menopause and how mad I am on it, on in in um, you know the clubs or whatever. It's the men that are sitting with their wives going, yeah, they're almost relieved. They're going, oh, yeah, that's you. You're mad. <laughs> I mean, then you can't say that because I think when the, my experience of being around people in the menopause, which is <laughs> trying to say that as uh, diplomatically as possible, is that I think it's sort of like, I don't think sometimes you realise you're in it when you're in it, if you're in the menopause. And because of the hormones, and even if you do realise you're in it, you you don't really accept that you're in it or admit it. And then if people bring it up, that that really doesn't help. No. I think think you've really well talked around the subject, Rob. And I don't think your your mum's going to have any issue with the way you go. (laughs) There's more than one. It's like, it's like I say, the material I have about it is that it's like being gaslit by your own body because it's hormones, but you're yeah. feeling it. So I don't know whether all the rage is hormones or if my husband is in actual fact a stupid fucking useless <laughs> and never fucking listens. <laughs> what, what, I, what I found was I could deal with sort of give, giving a bit of space to someone what I struggled with is when it's so, when every window's in the house and it's so cold and and I won't even say should we shut a door or I might just put a jumper on and then you'd get and you what 
And then you have to sort of <laughs> go like, what, lie about your own heat because <laughs> yeah. then by being put in a jumper it's almost a passive aggressive dig to go, you're too, <laughs> you're too hot, we're all cold. <laughs> but it is, you know, I, I just think women, you just go through it. You know, when you're menstruating, you go through it. When you're pregnant, you go through it. Mm. When you give birth, Not you fair. go through it. And then then the, what's waiting for you at the end, obviously mine's come early, is this menopause. And then you think, that's not fair to be a slave to your hormones. And I will, I mean, I, I don't know what any feminist would say to this or any of my sisters in arms, but <laughs> I think if you're a partner to that, and these clueless men are just going, I don't know what you want now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, and because they're like, are you, are you mad? <laughs> You must be having your buttons pressed by having a 21 year old living with you, and then you've got the little ones that are oh, pulling on you, grabbing you. Do, is that a challenge of trying to, like, you know, hold back your temper slightly if you're yeah, being course. pushed? Because it's not your fault if your hormones are doing this, but then also it's not everyone else's either, so it's, it's just <laughs> delicate. Well, and then, you know, it, it, do you know what I've learned? And it is through being ill, I learn about self care, but I learn <laughs> about a lot of hypnotherapy and that. And it, they really break it down. And we know we all, every parent at the moment is juggling a lot, whether what we do and, you know, it's all a bit scrappy and you've got pressures and deadlines and pitches and all that sort of stuff. But it's keeping your keep. We use the language keeping your cup full. You know, you got to have your good cup full because that other cup, when that's full, you you ain't got you know. And often yeah. my eldest gets it because the two little ones are, and then she'll sort of stroll in to make a coffee while I'm trying to do sandwiches and toast. I'm like, can you do that in a minute, please? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's always the eldest or my husband who gets mm. it because you're trying to not let the kids get it. But I think I work really hard at making sure the other cup is full. So, and, and it's now become very much language in our house because the eight-year-old, Bonnie, she'll go, oh, she'll, cool, your cup gets full quick. <laughs> 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 she knows, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's about, I think I've got good, uh, I mean, it is, it is hard and it is a balance and it's about making time for all of them. But I think I've got really good at, in terms of like everything's mental health, hashtag mental health now, but like <laughs> if I'm like, on a short fuse or I'm aggy or I'm being hard on myself, I sort of treat it like warning lights on a car now. I think yeah. you're doing too much, you know, take maybe take a couple of gigs out or, you know, reschedule that meeting or what have you or get a bit of sleep or stop drinking a bottle of Sauvignon Blanc a day. I've talked to you, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, so. <laughs> yeah no, I, I totally get that. I, I, I'm quite happy and chill, but when I start getting annoyed by sort of, you know, like I, I, someone will walk past and I go, <laughs> Look at that fucking prick. And I'm like, hang on. <laughs> Are you sure you may not like what they've got on? Or the look in his eyes a bit off. But you sh it shouldn't matter this much, Rob. Something else, this guy, that guy is not the problem. You're the problem. Yeah. Um, so did you teach during the pandemic on yeah. Zoom? I mean, insane. When it first happened, you're just sort of trying to give them something yeah. to do. But when they start getting... Like when the powers that be thought, oh, hang on, we can Zoom, you know, how to work out the kind of Google Classroom and 
get it all going. It was just insane. And these poor kids, and we had to sort of chase kids that were like um, not engaging with work. But you think, well, of course they're not engaged. If they're curled up in yeah. a ball and that's how they're getting through it. Yeah. But we, we did a lot of things like sending like Wi-Fi dongles out to, you know, families that were struggling and even laptops. We were, we were sending laptops to kids. And there was a lot of, I was ahead of years, so there was a lot of like that, sort of welfare care that I was doing as well while I was sort of just having a little bit of a breakdown myself. You know what I mean? And it it was a lot and none of the kids cared. And I I do tell the joke about this, but it's it's true. They'd be on mute. I'd be teaching. And at the end of this English lesson, I said, okay, you can unmute yourself if you've got any questions. Any questions? Any questions? And this girl, I don't know whether she asked a question because she felt bad for me because no one gave a shit. But she unmuted and went, yeah, miss, have you got any Netflix recommendations? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, one, that's not, no one's even pretending anymore. No, no one. <laughs> what, what age were you teaching then? What was that? 11, you... right up to sort of A-level, 19 oh, and God. stuff. So the A-levels were quite, students were quite good because you could really get into, it's a smaller class and you could still discuss stuff with them and get into it. But yeah, the little ones, it was tough, man. It was really tough. Did any of your students know you were doing stand-up? Yeah, when when I won the Funny Women, it sort of emerged, and then I did. Um, yeah, and then do you know what it's like? They when they started finding out, or I did a sort of nationwide advert, or little bits that come up. There was a little bit of like, "How the hell is?" And you go, "Yeah," and then they don't care. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You know, like that teacher's like, "Oh, I'm getting married," and you might be interested for two seconds, or you yeah, find that's out it. first name, and then you're just this adult, you know. Charlie Brown teacher, really, isn't it? you know, they and that's as it should be. But yeah, they, they it's nice when you bump into them because I, I was taught in my area, so I always see miss, 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 and it's quite cute. And but one kid that I really helped out a lot, and she 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 was really struggling when I was taking care of her and even her family. And then I bumped into her in the co-op in Forest Gate, and she went, "All right, miss, ain't seen you on telly yet." but they're they're cute they're sweet you know and sometimes i've got you know the older ones now follow me on instagram and say oh well done i'm so proud of you and that's quite cute oh that's cool Um, how do your children feel about it i think they don't yeah the the eldest likes it i suppose um the 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 littlest one because they all like youtube family so he's kind of he's five so he doesn't know whether we're a famous youtube family i'm like i'm not even famous do you know what i mean (laughs) but he's almost like what are we what what are we (laughs) like we're nothing so i and then the middle one she just you know she she they know i gig but i did richard osmond's house of games and then all of a sudden that spun her out she was a bit like this is something we watch and right, said, yeah. yeah. And she was going, who, what, what is it? I know you, she's like, I know you gig. She just all of a sudden didn't know what I was then. Like, as yeah. though I was. It's quite difficult to describe, isn't it, your job? Yeah. Because there's so many bits to it. Yeah. You're doing stand up, you're working out anagrams with Richard Osman, you're talking about scripts for Jack Whitehall. It's quite yeah. difficult to get that to a five year old. Yeah. When I was teaching, you know, they're in breakfast club after school club, I felt like I barely saw them. And a yeah. lot of the motivating factor to do this was just that bit of autonomy and freedom. But the kids don't see it like that. They don't see that you can do pick up and drop off and be at every school play and you're there in that sense. Yeah, which yeah, I, yeah. I was full time teaching so much. But all they see is the sort of three nights out a week. You know what I mean? Well, I'm not yeah, doing yeah. this time. That's all yeah. they think. Oh, you're not coming. Oh, you know, and then it's whatever. Yeah. You're guilty, whatever. You feel bad, whatever you're doing. Yeah, because yeah, you're, exactly. you're tour. You've got a big tour coming up in April. And um, 
you're, it's, I, I implore people to go and see you. You're absolutely amazing. And I, I think sometimes in comedy, you get you don't, you don't get many authentic voices. And I think you're one of the most authentic voices we've had in ages. But like, because of the classing, a lot of people that end up doing comedy are people that could afford to give it a go, where there's a lot of funny people that end up going, oh, fuck this, I ain't got enough money, I'll stick to my job, kind of thing. So um, you're, April is kicking off, 4th of yeah. April. Winchester, Maidstone, two in Maidstone. You sold one out, extra show. Extra shows already, Laura. Birmingham Bar. sold that too. Both Maidstone shows sold out. Oh, Maidstone's your stomping ground, though, isn't yeah, it? A bit yeah, of Ken, Ken and Essex. Essex. It's just huh. what they do. You know what it's like on tour because you don't even know. So it's sort of some are like 100, then 200, 300. And then you yeah. sell them out. So they go, well, give us 600 room in South End. And then sold out Leicester Square Theatre. So then it was like, right, give her Hackney Empire. So you're like, yeah, please, but, you know, all of a sudden. So it's been quite nice to know that there's an interest. And I feel really proud of the show all of a sudden i think this is a working well, no everyone wants to be good but when it's like i know what i'll do and then as soon as people start really buying tickets you go oh they spend their money on me i want this to be really good do you know what i yeah, mean yeah I, I feel like when you're i think that's the thing i felt when i first started touring was it's the first time you you feel a duty to the people's night out do you know yeah. what i mean especially when you've got kids you know how hard it is to get out the house get a babysitter and stuff. But but the other thing is you don't want to put too much pressure on yourself as well, Laura, so that if, because some gigs go well, some don't, you don't want to be like, oh, fucking hell, people have spent all this money and I'm not yeah. delivering, because your, your, your bad cup can start overflowing yeah. <laughs> and you're losing <laughs> your mind in fucking Swansea or something. But, you know, yeah. like your ticket, I've done like Hackney Empire. What 20- happened in Swansea, Rob? <laughs> no, nah, no, Swansea was all right, but you know what I mean, for example. But like, it's 21 quid for a ticket and, it, you know, it is a lot of money people spend. But however, people might spend 40 quid on a Chinese takeaway. And not think yeah. about it. Do you know what this I mean? Morning. So yeah, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're, get on a Laura Smith S. Um, it's spelled with yeah, S- it's great. Yeah, M- Y-T-H, the tours. Yeah, there's loads of gigs. So book a ticket. Yeah, be, do. there's an autumn leg now as well. So. Autumn leg as well. Autumn leg, Belfast, Dublin. And, and I love it. People slide into my DMs and go, oh, we've just booked for Brighton or we've booked for yeah. South End. And then I answer them and they go, oh, I didn't know you were going to answer me. I'm like, yeah, I feel like a small business owner. Yes. Right, little hand note in there. Thanks for buying yeah, the yeah. Uh, thing. Oh, but you know, you'll absolutely, you'll, you'll smash it. You're so funny. And the, the, anyone That's who's got fun. tickets in for a treat. How are you uh, balancing being away from the kids and stuff like that? Have you thought about that or is it more, have you paced out the tour? You know, because is your husband still working as a teacher or has is he, is he stopped now? No, he, he's, he's, he does landscaping and he's a musician. So we kind of keep it all balanced like that. It's mostly Friday, Saturday nights I'm doing, to be honest. Are you quite looking forward to like June the 6th, 7th and 8th when you're in Newcastle, Salford and Liverpool and you're yeah, just yeah, staying yeah. away on your own and there's... yeah. No responsibilities. That's basically a holiday. Those three days. Well, it is. That is. I, I'm never. I'm never that good at sleeping in the hotels with without them. But there are times where you go. Oh, you know, you just got to enjoy it. Yeah. So yeah. I think Birmingham, where there's a couple of nights in Birmingham, but that falls in the Easter holiday. So I'm taking the kids. We'll go up to the kids. We've got friends up there anyway. So yeah. there's only two night, two weekends where I'm probably away, away, and yeah. I've kind of could justify that, and that feels actually. I'm going to get nice hotels. Yeah, no, definitely do that. Invest in do yourself. That. Yeah, and enjoy yeah. it. And yeah. it's, amazing, it's, it's an amazing thing to do. And, like, you know, you can take them to a few gigs and stuff like that. But, yeah, you've paced it out well. And so um, with the um, 21-year-old, <laughs> have you been on the lash with her? You say she's doing dry January now. Because, obviously, you're closer in age to her. So is there a <laughs> feeling that you can go out on the piss with her and stuff like that? But, you know, we, I, I, we 
do fair. I, I, I don't know. Where, I still feel so responsible for her. Yeah. But she can sort of party better than me. I mean, there's You'd a hope so. Do you know what I mean? She's 21. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But can, one of the big jokes that went viral was about me talking to her about going Ibiza and trying to be sensitive. That's a great joke. Really it was a good joke. But, and that was a genuine story. But there was sort of one summer where she was sort of like... <laughs> I remember like stitching on her, but like loving a mushroom or two or tripping. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, you've got to be, I was sort of, so I kind of have it open conversation. I was like, you've got to be careful with them, you know, hallucinogenics and all that. And she sort of went to me, she didn't know how to delicately say it. She went, yeah, but mum, you've got to remember you're, you know, you're a bit, you know. And I was like, what? And she was like, you know, you're a bit, you're a bit of a pussy, are not you? <laughs> 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 so she she can have it, but I, I yeah I don't yeah we, you know we'll have a couple of glasses of wine or everything like that. But she kind of holds it down. She's not messy like we were messy when we were doing yeah, it. Yeah, she's like oh yeah like add a few glasses like even at Christmas because I was sort of busy with everything. She was very much like the kind of party maker at Christmas. About sixteen of us, but she was the one getting the games going, getting the drinking going, and I was just sort of quite. Oh, well done. I was impressed by her. She got everyone going. So, uh, yeah, yeah, she feels like she's, she backs you up. Do you know what I mean? Rather than creating more problems, she's sort of like, she's on the on the right side of the team. Yeah, just about now. Like, well, my sister went to her. She became woman this Christmas. She was helping out. She was helping <laughs> <laughs> there is, and how old are your girls, Rob? Oh, eight and six. So okay, you're the same so as yours. But there is, there's, so there's, that's, I think that's dream ages. Yeah. That's like, like dream ages, you know. And then these teenage years happen and they're such knobs. They're <laughs> oh, such really? pricks. And you just think, oh, as long as they come out the other side, we were knobs. Like you were everyone here. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like she's just come out the other side and it's like me and my husband are both going, oh, okay, yeah, she's all right. And he's very good at going. And he's going, and now the menopause is hit. Why, <laughs> when am I going to catch <laughs> yeah, a break? He's like spinning plates, you know what I mean? And just as I get over the sort of worst of the menopause, the, the, the middle one will be uh, hitting puberty. But yeah, it is just, I feel like she's just come out the other side and going, oh, no, you're all right. You are going to be all right. Yeah. So what were there anything standout moments from her as a teenager that put you under pressure that you were like, this is, this is mental, what am I going to do here? There were just things like parties where you go, I know that area and I know yeah. what that would turn out like. <laughs> and even like she had her sixth form, she no, it was her school prom and they just hadn't, they were all just trying to book hotels after for an after party and I was like, no, and I just—I don't mind hosting something, but I laid down. We got a security guard, and we put the whole garden in fairy lights. You got a security guard for your house? Yeah, because amazing. Because we just knew because we're in East yeah. London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People turn up that it's not nice. Do you know what I mean? No, no. And it was—you know—she went to school in Bow, so it was like. So I said, the rules are: everyone's parents need to know they're coming, and they all need to know how they're getting home. I'm not like taking drunk kids yeah. in Ubers because yeah, yeah. I just didn't want them hanging around or yeah, getting in a yeah. big hotel in flipping Woolwich or something do you know what I mean <laughs> so things like that where I kind of pretend there's boundaries do you know what I mean and I just yeah. tried to be cool so all those sorts of things yeah you're navigating them through little boy boyfriends and all that and you just you just hope they come out the other side you hope they talk to you that's it did you when you're a teacher what was it like when um You'd have parents evening and stuff. Could you really see the parents and the kids? Like, did it always make sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the vast majority of the time. Sometimes you'd have this nightmare kid and then you meet these terrifying sort of parent and you I, I couldn't do it. I, you, they, this kid that usually disrupts every lesson is a nightmare. It's sort of going, 
If you're too mean, they're going to get a smack him and they get home or oh, something, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd get a lot of that. And I mean, and then sometimes you get this really quiet, quiet, wouldn't say boo to a goose kid. And then you tell the parents, I'd like them to maybe contribute more. And they're like, what? She don't stop talking at home? <laughs> you know, you get that. Oh, yeah. But yeah. usually I think it's a hard and fast rule. Lovely parents have lovely kids. And actually, <laughs> yeah. you know, if they're sassing you at home, they're usually lovely at school. My kids are so leery me and then you know lovely at school and all that that's good news because my my daughter couldn't be more different at home from what she is at school do you know what i mean like she's she's so polite to her teachers and stuff and then she's just you know gives me shit six and she she'll give me shit all the time but you're like well like well like shit air she picks her target. I've seen your notebook, she... the jokes, they're not working. You've lost a little bit of what you had, stuff like that. It's really getting in your head. Do you think any of your kids might end up in comedy? I could see the eldest. I could see all of them, actually. They all make me laugh. All my kids are funny. Yeah. Do you come from funny families, you two? Yeah, I, th- I think when I was growing up, taking the piss was a bit... Like, nothing was serious in the sense yeah. of... Life wasn't seen as too serious, and we'd watch a lot of comedy. So yeah. that was like, that was probably like everything was comedy on TV. So it's, it's there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, I think some, I, some family, most like there's families that are like the comedy family that they all take the piss out of each other, all got funny stories. The dad tells, the mum tells a story. Yeah. Sit down and watch it all together. Because then you do find other families where they literally just sit and watch, like, oh, let's watch um, Planet Earth. Yeah. And then watch it and go, oh, yeah, quite interesting, wasn't it? Right now, I'm like, fucking, what a waste of an evening. But I no one's been <laughs> funny once. But when your family's funny, when you go then out on the circuit, you know the game. The game is yeah. go to the sixth, seventh joke that will top everyone else up. Yeah. Or you, that's the game. And it's like a game I've played my whole life without realising that's the game. Do you know what I mean? So when you go and watch some comedians, some comedians I watch and think, you ain't even got a funny family. <laughs> I know. Well, there's, there's comedians like me, and I talk to them, I think, what made you think this was a good idea for you? <laughs> that you've never made me laugh. You just it, you just talk so confidently and then leave, and then you go, oh, that was a good one. You're like, what's it? Well, sometimes these comedians, without naming names, are incredibly successful. Yeah. And you're like, you're not a funny person. Yeah. Like, you're not... Do you know what? I don't want to sound like I'm 200. What happened to being a laugh? Do you know what I mean? Like- <laughs> yeah, that's You know what? Funny enough, talking about my talk, I think because I've got, gone through illness, I was like, it's going to be really worthy. And then recently, and that was my early wits. And then I thought, yeah. no, it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. No, yeah. That's it. And, but when I always say people are comedians or they're not, not whether they're, because people can write a joke, but don't mean they're a comedian. Yeah. Comedians to me are people that, like, you go, yeah, there's nothing else you could have done on this earth. Yeah, or, or there is, but you'd have done it terribly and been so yeah. unhappy. But like, you know, when you speak to Alan Carr, there is no other job for Alan Carr than being a, a comic. That like, it just no. encapsulates funny. The fact he used to work at a call centre is fucking insane. <laughs> Prime example. He is just. That's a- how funny he is. We can all laugh just thinking of him doing something. 
It doesn't even have to do it. Yeah. yeah. Should we do the final question, Josh? We should do the final question, shouldn't we, Rob? We always do the final question. We don't always, but... No, we should. We, we do it. Let's do it. Um, Laura, what's the one thing that your husband um, does that you think, oh, my God, I'm so happy we've got kids together. You're amazing. And this, what's the one thing he does as a parent? You're like, this bores my piss. And he has got to <laughs> listen to this and stop doing what you're doing. Oh, my God. I mean, Ali is just... I mean... <laughs> And when you meet him, you've got to meet him to believe him. He's just this absolute, he's the most capable person you'll ever meet in your whole entire life. And there's just a deep, he can just, he just makes sure, he just makes sure everyone's all right. You know, if you say, oh, well, have you packed that? Yeah, on it, done it. If everything's done before you've asked. And he's so brilliant and um, he, he just makes sure everything's all right. There's this overwhelming sense of, oh, good, Ali's here. You don't know oh, what you want to do, but he's an just... An energy about him. Oh, he's magic. He's absolutely magic. I don't think anyone's oh, ever said that about me. <laughs> oh, thank God Josh is... <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's going to be all right, Josh is here. You couldn't even finish the sentence, Rob. No, I think it'll be, Josh is here, and then someone goes, is he all right? <laughs> <laughs> How is he? <laughs> no, it's a lie. If someone said who's on the bill or who's on the show, Josh is here, yeah. go, oh, yes. Thank yeah, God yeah. for that. But I'll do better than him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. And, and the negative about uh, Ali. Well, it, like I say, he's, he's a musician and a creative, like me, he's a creative like me. So he 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 can half daydream. And he's a lot yeah. of kind of, when he's not present, you're sort of like, Ali, huh? There's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> So he, he can be really not present. And I can look at him and go, they're talking to you. And you go, huh? Like, you know, so I <laughs> And, and there's a joke about him because I said he used the wrong phrase and he meant he's a daydreamer and he always away with the phrase. And he went, and I said, oh, come on, Ali. What? You know, he goes, sorry, I'm just a dream boat. It's kind of a joke. And me and my sisters all take the piss. All right, dream boat. I'm just a dream boat. He goes, sorry, I'm, I know I'm, and he's really being sincere. I know I'm a dream boat. Oh. <laughs> the worst thing about him is he's quite quiet at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, no, bless him. Well, we played, we went to this dinner party and it's like the, you know, the Mafia game, which is basically what the Traitors is based on. Yeah. But I knew, so he's, he's quite introvert, but I knew within seconds he was the murderer. He was the Mafia <laughs> werewolf. He couldn't function. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't function. And he had a few beers and he, and I was just, he just couldn't, he couldn't actually do this subterfuge. He couldn't handle it. And then when I, I knew straight away and voted him off because I was, I'm horrible. And then the, the other mafia person who was sitting next to me went, yeah, yeah, and voted for him too. And he lost it. He went, you fucking snagged him. <laughs> <laughs> you snagged him. <laughs> he took him out with him. He just lost it. At you this fucking stage. grass. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle it. Um, so, uh, Laura, that's, it's been absolutely amazing. I noticed two things, though, and it's something that I, I see myself. When you said to him, oh, I admitted I want to do comedy, yeah. like it was a crime yeah. because <laughs> of your background. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And then um, the other one, when you said, um, yeah, you went, he's a creative, like, like, like me. I'm a cre you felt so uncomfortable saying you're, cre you're a creative. That, that's because of your upbringing and your being working class. You yeah. are creative. You don't have to admit to being a comedian. You just are. And then when you're back for round two, when you've done your sellout tours, yeah. no more of that. You just say it loud and proud. Okay, because you are. You're like, yeah, maybe, not, maybe not too much. No, I'm if Rob Beckett said he was a creative, I would absolutely <laughs> take the piss for I'm about 10 artist. years. <laughs> Actually, Josh. 
I'm an artist. Carol is good at bread. He's an artist. Yeah. Laura, it's been absolutely amazing. Good luck on the tour. Let's know how it goes. And we'll speak to you soon, I'm sure. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Cheers, mate. Bye. Laura Smith. Um, She's brilliant, Laura. She's so funny. Do you know what I didn't do, Rob? What? I didn't Steve Wright it. Shall I quickly Steve Wright it? Um, yeah, read out all the gigs. Maidstone, yeah. Winchester, Birmingham, Bath, Chelmsford, Reading, Aldershot, Norwich, Maidenhead, Paul, Hemel, Hempstead, Cambridge, Brighton, Guildford, Southend, Leeds, Bristol, Cardiff, Newcastle, Salford, Liverpool, <gasps> Southend, Fareham, London, London, Glasgow, Leicester, Norwich, Cambridge, Nottingham, Bath, Cardiff, Dublin, Belfast, Brighton, Sheffield, Birmingham, Coventry, Salford, Leeds and Chelmsford. Laura Smith with a Y dot com. Yes, go and see her. And also, she'll be in sort of good size rooms with like 100 seat, like three or 400 seaters. See her before she's inevitably in the big, massive theatres, yeah. 2,000 seaters, because she will be. She's amazing. Anyway, I'll see you next week, Josh. Bye. Bye. Bye.